Good morning. This is Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Even in New Mexico, we might be thinking about pumpkin-flavored everything when fall weather hits, but we're also lusting after anything with chile, pecan, or other squash, or maybe a combination of all of them. It's the perfect time to fire up your oven and roast Brussels sprouts, bake pastas or casseroles, or perfect your pie crust. Besides the seasonal dishes and veggies we have available to us this time of year, there are also family gatherings and holiday celebrations that call for something special to eat. Do you have family recipes that bring you that you bring out every year for Thanksgiving? What about special drinks? And what do you like to do with all those leftovers? How about stuffing and mashed potato waffles? We'll hear more about that from one of our guests later on. This morning, we'll talk to chefs, farmers, and foodies about fall dishes for entertaining guests or for a quiet night at home, and we'll try to highlight local flavors and ingredients. What are your favorite foods to pull out of the oven? Have you had a tough time getting a dish to come out right? Share your favorite dishes and recipes or call for help by emailing letstalk at KUNM.org or call in live at 505-277-5866. Our first guest this morning live in the studio with us is farm is a farmer in the village of Corrales, Ilan Silverblatt Booser, the co-owner of Silverleaf Farms, a 21-acre organic farm that sells at farmers markets, supplies restaurants and schools, and now they have their own retail farm stand on Corrales Road. Good morning, Ilan. Thanks for coming in. Hey, good morning. Thanks did, for having me. Did I get the introduction right? Is all that accurate? Nailed it. Yeah. All right, great. Uh You have a varied background studying biology, climate change, food security, and doing a lot of traveling. How do those experiences influence your approach to food and farming? Oh, yeah. I think um, I've been super lucky. Grew up in New Mexico. (coughs) Got to go to school on the East Coast. Um, I did research in Mexico, like you mentioned, on climate change and food security. And I worked in Europe for a while (coughs) doing renewable energy development. But... uh, Kind of the the thread that that uh, connects all of those is food, and I always tell people, especially during travels, food is the most common language. And so, <clears throat> you know, I lived in Serbia for a while, and I don't speak Serbian, but uh, I love food and I love drinking, and there's no better way to connect with people. <laughs> uh, to listeners who might not have much experience with locally grown produce, what makes it different? Yeah, I mean. I think um, I have to speak for all of the farmers in New Mexico, across the country, you know, buy local, support local. Not only is it supporting the economy, but particularly around big food holidays like uh, what's coming up now, the quality is almost guaranteed to be better. And so not only, yeah, are you supporting the economy, but you're supporting your own palate. I mean, you're going to be eating better quality. It's going to taste better. There's stories connected with the food. So you're connecting with community in lots of different ways. So the, the list just goes on and on. But it's uh, it's super important for, I think, to, uh, yeah, just to, to be able to connect with a sense of place, ultimately. Is that quality something you can see? Because I'm thinking of, you know, some of the fruits and veggies we might see at the grower's market, and they might look a little blemished, maybe not quite as pretty as what's on the shelf at Whole Foods, for instance. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's tricky. I think, you know, humans evolved to eat with their eyes, right? So if something doesn't look good, you, you know, it, there's maybe some deeper reason why you might not want to eat it. But I think in modern society, we've been trained that an apple has to look like what the apple from Wikipedia looks like, or we've just been kind of force-fed the image of what food should look like. But you know, for us at the farmer's market, when we're selling our produce, the biggest compliment is when people come back for more. You know, It has to look good. If it has blemishes, not that big of a deal. Most people understand that that, that means it's not a mass-produced product. That means it's, it hasn't been bred just for, for the looks, right? Um, but, you know, we've all, we've all eaten a tomato from the grocery store in December. It looks beautiful, and it tastes like nothing, and you're disappointed. But ultimately, if it tastes good, you come back for more, and that's, that's really what it's all about. Are there things you've grown that you think are special or that you're especially proud of? Oh, man. <clears throat> Great question. Um, each different crop kind of has its own little unique uh, challenges and, and rewards. I think 
out of all the different crops that we grow, I probably eat more cucumbers <laughs> in the summertime. It's hot. Um, you know, we're running around like crazy. It's, they're, they're super easy to eat, the cucumbers we grow. Um, some of our listeners probably know them very well, but it's a, it's a, a, a seedless, thin-skinned cucumber. You don't have to peel it. Super sweet, crunchy. It's kind of like ignorance is bliss with any vegetable crop that that we grow or that you can buy at the farmer's market or from local growers. You're like, wait, it's just a cucumber? It's broccoli? It's cauliflower? It's what? And then you try it and you're like, oh my God, this is this is what it this is what it should taste like. And uh, and then you can never go back. Our program director here at KUNM once upon a time challenged me to get our listeners' mouths watering. And <laughs> maybe cucumbers aren't gonna do it for everyone. It's working for me, but we have a lot of show <laughs> left, so I hope to engage everyone out there. Uh, Ilan, I've been a CSA member before, meaning I've joined a farm to get a share of their weekly crops. And in the fall, I received a lot of root vegetables, turnips, parsnips, Jerusalem artichokes. What kinds of things are you harvesting now at Silverleaf Farms? Yeah, so we've, uh, this year in particular, um, you know, right now actually our crew is harvesting uh, kind of the end of our storage root crops, so radishes. Few different types of daikon radish, um, some other kind of specialty radishes, uh, spicy Spanish radishes. There's, there's a few other varieties that we grow, um, and also some uh, turnips, some purple top turnips. And you know the weather's changing. We follow the weather pretty closely. The root crops can take take the cold. They like the cold. It'll help sweeten up some of the flavors. But uh, once the ground starts really freezing. It's, you don't want to harvest crops when they're frozen. So we kind of follow the weather and try to try to catch a window. And so the last few days, we've been pushing pretty hard to get the remainder of our root crops out of the fields. You mentioned a lot of radishes. Why so many radishes? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, well, A, yeah, the radishes, they keep really well. The quality is amazing. Um, I think Radishes are a crop that we're slowly starting to see become more popular just in the everyday American diet. You know, I, I, I was talking with uh, our seed rep actually at Johnny's Seeds <clears throat> and we were talking about kind of the trends that they're seeing in the, in the vegetable world. And, you know, maybe 15 years ago when people would start talking about kale, Everyone was like, kale, what? That's that's gross, you know? I think there was like more kale being purchased by Pizza Hut to put in their displays on their frozen, this, or their fridge displays. It's just a, or, or as a decorative crop instead of as a crop that people, people ate. But um, anyway, we were talking uh, with the seed rep and she was suggesting that, that uh, the daikon radishes may be coming up behind where kale used to be as, as kind of this crop that um, it grows really well. It does really well for farmers. Um, chefs love it. There's so many different varieties. The flavors are different. You can kind of dress it up. You can put it in soups. You can, yeah, it's just very, very versatile. So um, it's a crop. Yeah, it works really well for us. It works well for lots of other farmers. You know, people grow daikon radish as uh, as cover crop also. So it's not even just... Huh. For, for food consumption, but it does a lot of uh, a lot of benefit for soil compaction. There's different varieties. Some are really long and skinny that can help break up compaction, and that's something that a lot of farmers here in New Mexico deal with with the kind of heavy clay soils. But okay, uh, what about leafy greens? I don't think you mentioned any of those. Yeah, so we um, we have greenhouses for season extension, and so we grow a lot of uh, different lettuce varietals. Mostly uh, butterhead, buttercrunch lettuce, but lots of different other kind of red leaf, green leaf, oak leaves, all these different lettuce varietals that we grow all year. Um, over the years, over the last 13 years that our farm, Silverleaf Farms, has been in business, we've probably ordered one of everything from the seed catalog and <laughs> tried to see what we could, we could uh, grow successfully, but also with quality and consistency here at you know, in, in the middle Rio Grande Valley. 
but uh, we're bringing spinach back this winter. So that's something we're super excited about. Um, you know, winter spinach to me is like, I, I crave it. My body craves it. It's, mm. it's one of those crops again. It's like, yeah, spinach is spinach, but you have something like the winter spinach that's, that's grown um, for flavor. You know, we're selecting the varietal that does well here. You know, we've trialed maybe 10 different spinach varieties and we land on the one that we like. Um, and so it's just sweet, it's nutty, it's, it's just flavors that you don't, you don't find at the grocery store. Okay, there's a whole new spinach out there, and I want, or maybe it's the old spinach. <laughs> yeah, the old spinach, yeah. Uh, what kind of, of foods are you preparing at home uh, to share with others or to share with others? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, in general, I think the philosophy that we have on the farm and the philosophy I have in my own kitchen is just keep it simple and let, let the quality speak for itself. And so, um, you know, good ingredients, good techniques, and you're gonna have a great product. And so I'm generally lazy in the kitchen, so maybe I'm making that excuse, but I think um, there's no need to, you know, to oversalt or oversweet or to add all kinds of, you know, syrupy sauces to try to, to make something um, more edible, right? So if, if you're cooking, you could roast radishes. I mean, if, if you're cooking, um, the winter squash that's, that we grow, just simple. I mean, I, I like just just a little bit of salt, you know, olive oil, put things in the oven, roast it, kind of bring out some of the flavors. Just keep it simple. All right, there we go. Let's transition now from the farm to the kitchen. I'd like to introduce another guest who might have some insight on in how to use some of these wonderful veggies, Alon uh, Gross. Also, here in the KUNM studio, we have Nellie Bauer, co-owner of the Frenchish Restaurant in Albuquerque's Knob Hill, where they serve innovative dishes with a French inspiration. Thanks for coming in this morning, Nellie. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Now, before you say all those veggies Alon is growing are wonderful, like I just did, are there any you suggest novice cooks avoid because their flavors are hard to tame or they're challenging to prepare? Oh, no, absolutely not. You should not avoid a vegetable. Uh, all vegetables are good and all vegetables can be mastered, especially the stuff coming off of Elon's farm. I was nodding along as he spoke because everything they produce is really easy to work with because it is such high quality and so flavorful. So, no, I don't think anyone should avoid those vegetables for sure. <laughs> okay. E even the controversial Jer Jerusalem artichoke. Ooh. Well, they do have a nickname. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, I'll leave that out of here, but we can imagine it. I think those can also be tamed in moderation. They should be consumed, um, you know, sliced up in a salad raw. That's, uh, that's a, the easiest way to deal with them. Just give them a good scrub. They're great in a soup. They're really delicious, simply roasted, but I would say consumption in moderation. Okay. Um, I'd like to know more about Frenchish. What's the philosophy behind your menu and how you approach seasonal foods? So we are a responsive restaurant where we respond to what we get from our farmers. We are small and we're super hands-on. We print our menus in-house underneath the bar so we can turn on a dime and you know if Elon says I have 40 pounds of daikon radish for you which has been known to happen we can do something with them on the spot and incorporate it into our menu we try to keep things as simple as possible we believe that starting with really good product and manipulating it as little as possible is is essential and that's our job and that's where our skill and what people come to us for is, you know, kind of the high point. We don't mess with it too much. Okay. Well, what kinds of things are you serving right now that, that feel like fall? Ooh, we just added a dish to our menu and we do a variation of it every fall season. It is a beautiful trout filet, really simply cooked, just low and slow. So it gets golden brown, crispy skin. And then over top is just roasted cauliflower, parsley, capers, and lemon. So it has those rich fall flavors from the cruciferous cauliflower, the bright parsley, acid. Acid is a, you know, a perfect ingredient to almost every dish. You add a little lemon juice, fresh lemon juice to something, and it makes a dish sing. 
without doing too much to it. And then a little capers for the salt. Alon, when we talk about foods that feel like fall, I think that in New Mexico, we think of chilies and squash, maybe pumpkins. Are these the things that, you know, like our fall weather in New Mexico? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, in general, right, people grow the things that they can grow well, and, and chilies are one of them. There's a reason why... New Mexico is the chili capital of the world, right? It's, I don't think, um, yeah, there's no way Colorado could ever say that, and there's no way other states could say that also. But um, same with same with uh, squash and pumpkins. You know, New Mexico has pretty diverse growing climates from northern New Mexico to southern New Mexico. Here in the middle Rio Grande Valley, we're, we're growing at 5,000 feet, which I think we tend to forget about that, but we do have pretty extreme climate uh, variation and weather variation, but uh, yeah, the the chilies love um, the diurnal shifts, the the difference, the the daytime nighttime temperature differences. You know, sometimes we're at like thirty degree differential or fo- almost forty sometimes, and um, it's pretty amazing that plants can withstand those types of shifts and. You know, I think that helps make um, helps make the New Mexico chili what it is, and some of the other crops that we grow. You know, helps sweeten flavors. It helps concentrate flavors. Uh, the stress can be good. Um, you know, you're never going to get that same chili, that same flavor, in in Seattle or something where it's it's not. You don't have the same sun. You don't have the same UV intensity. Okay, we do have to pause for just a moment. This is Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Kaveh Movahead. We're taking your calls about fall foods. Call us at 505-277-5866. We'll be right back. Support provided by REDW, an Albuquerque-based and locally owned advisory and CPA firm celebrating 70 years serving the needs of New Mexico businesses, government, and individuals. More info at REDW.com. Please join us in thanking our business and nonprofit underwriters for their continued financial support. Because of their support, our mission will continue as your trusted source of award-winning local news and music. KUNM, powered by you. On the next Living on Earth, a Native American retelling of the first Thanksgiving for young readers. And I think it's important to emphasize that we were there, we have survived, and are still here and are thriving. I'm Jenny Doring, decolonizing our Thanksgiving tables and more, next time on Living on Earth from PRX. Wednesday mornings at 8 on KUNM. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico. I'm Kaveh Movahead. We're off next week for Thanksgiving, but then back in two weeks to talk about electric vehicles. Watch our webpage for details. Today, though, we're talking about our favorite fall foods and recipes. We have Nellie Bauer in the studio from the Frenchish Restaurant in Knob Hill and Albuquerque, and also Ilan Silverblatt-Boozer from Silverleaf Farms in Corrales. Thank you both for being here. Nelly, let's go back to you. Do you have a favorite fall dish or maybe two of them that use, you know, some of the ingredients we've been talking about this morning? Ooh. Um, at home, I like to, you know, get something random from maybe Elon, you know, a squash, um, a head of perfect cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, and I like to just roast things up pretty simply. And that's, you know, manageable for most everybody. When I end up with a lot of root crops, I like to make a gratin. Um, Which is what? Well, it's uh, my version is probably not truly what it is, but it it's the br- the word comes from the French for the browning of the top where the parmesan or the cream would be. But uh, I usually omit that part and just like to layer up really thinly sliced root vegetables in a pan and bake them with a little tiny bit of maybe cream or a little bit of stock and sort of weight it as it cooks so it looks like this beautiful, really thinly striped, I don't know, vegetable dish. Um, you can be really clever. I know a couple years ago there was the ombre gratin trend and people were layering up beets and sweet potatoes and squash and radishes and turnips and potatoes so it kind of looked like a, a sunset. Those are those are fun to master. Um, 
but yeah, those all those flavors just stacked up are really nice and easy. Well, what other foods feel like fall and the holidays to you? Anything you might recommend for listeners to try at home? Um, well, the, we have so many squash right now. I think they're an easy, easy ingredient to add, and you can add them as a soup. You know, roast them up really simply in the oven, scoop them out, puree them up. You've got soup. You can roast them and chunk them, and you've got a salad crouton that's not bread. Um, you can, yeah, you can do pretty much anything with a squash. So I would stick in the squash family. I think this time of year, you can make them sweet. You can add a little bit of like jalapeno in there and make it spicy or a green chili sauce. You know, a green chili little cream sauce would be really tasty over some roasted uh, squash. That would be super easy. And it's kind of like a set it and forget it sort of meal where you just, you don't have to do a lot of cooking and cutting. You just put it in the oven and it'll cook for you. And then it's edible and delicious. Now, Elan was nodding yes when you said squash. And there are, I don't know, 400 different kinds of squash out there. That's an exaggeration, maybe. Um, do you have some favorites? Yeah, so we grow, again, we've probably tried every one in the catalog, but uh, there's a few varieties that we've kind of honed in on that we really like. Of course, butternut is great. Um, people are super familiar with butternut. Delicata is is... I don't know where it's at on its on its trajectory, if it's peaked yet or not, but uh, people love delicata. It's really easy to work with. Um, I generally don't peel my squashes. You can eat the skins. Delicata's developed a reputation that you don't have to peel. Um, I think the skin is just a little thinner, so the texture is a little easier to work with. Um, I love kabocha squash, which is um, a Japanese variety. It's a much firmer squash. It has really great kind of, kind of can have nutty, acorny uh, characteristics. It keeps really well on your on your kitchen counter. So if you buy one and you forget about it for a couple months, uh, it'll still be good. Um, sometimes, yeah, if I'm if I'm getting lazy and I don't want to do a, a big recipe, I'll just get whatever squash I have on my counter and blend it all together and, and make a pie. <laughs> oh, wow. um, you don't have to have a pumpkin to make a pumpkin pie. So um, my dad actually makes really great winter squash medley pies. <laughs> oh, wow. I want that. Um, you said you can eat the skins of most squash. Um, in particular, thinking about butternuts, they're kind of tough. Is that true for butternut too? Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with you're not going to get sick. There's, you know, especially if you're buying squash that you know where it came from, you know. Um, but it's a texture thing and a preference thing. I mean, and when it's sometimes the, the skin can be really hard if it's if it's been uh, cured well and it's hardened off. Like, yeah, don't eat it if it doesn't taste good. But um, there's nothing inherently wrong with the skin. Okay. Uh I think this is a good time to bring in our next guest. He's doing something a little bit different. We have Chef Raymond, Chef Raymond Naranjo from Santa Clara Pueblo on Zoom with us. Chef Naranjo has been working in the industry for more than 20 years, including a stint as the chef at the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center's restaurant Pueblo Harvest. Now he's doing private events and running a food truck called Manco Native American Fusion. That's garnered a lot of attention. Thanks for joining us this morning, Chef Ray. Thank you, Tomo. Thank you for having me. Uh, Ray, tell us what Native American fusion cu cuisine means to you. Uh, so now it's um, it's kind of a reintroduction of of ingredients um, that were um, sort of uh, unused or forgotten about, and just kind of reintroducing them back to the diet um, as a assimilation. Uh, had an effect on on uh, Native American diet. Are you trying to incorporate food then that was more common prior to European contact? Uh, correct. Um, the main uh, the studying what or researching what um, we would we would have had on our table and kind of bringing it back. Also, uh, there's a lot of traditional foods that are still. Uh, uh, used currently, um, so it's kind of just adding them back in. Okay. Uh, 
you know, I have a question for our listeners. We want to take your calls and questions, too. What is your favorite fall food? Is it roasted root vegetables or baked pasta? How about green chili apple pie? Tell us how it became an important part of your annual tradition by calling 505-277-5866 or emailing letstalk at kunm.org. Chef Ray, when you do catering, you can create dishes that are a little more complex than what you're serving in the food truck. What kinds of seasonal dishes do you like to serve in the fall? Uh, So right now, um, I would be focused on – sorry about that. I'm getting – um, things on my phone. <laughs> um, uh-huh. so yeah, so yeah, so I would focus on some brining, uh, turkey. Uh, an example of that would be I would take uh, either a, an agave nectar or um, perhaps a um, maple syrup, and we'll make a, a real basic brine with that. Um, kind of not really salt heavy, um, it's going to be in there for a little while. And it uh, just transforms the um, outers of the uh, protein. And um, it, depending on how long you brine it, it could penetrate in and uh, eventually turn it into um, like a lunch meat sort of thing. But um, if you just kind of let it hit the outside and then you hit a nice roast and do a caramelization on it, it um, then it, um, yeah, it turns out very awesome. Nice. Do any of those uh, more seasonal things go on the food truck menu also? Um, so I, we do, we could do some, like we'll do a pozole dish or um, something more traditional, um, something more recognizable, I guess. Okay. Um, why the differentiation? Do you have, I don't know, different audiences, I guess, for the different menus? Uh, definitely. Um, so so we're using the uh, the food truck right now as a bridging um a bridging of uh what's now on the table um and incorporating um much try to incorporate healthier things our healthier methods of uh recreating these dishes um even um even as far as our like our fried bread right so we take uh we we don't use the animal fats uh we try to use um uh, a better oil um uh, you know, just a, I guess more of a typical frying oil, so it doesn't have the trans fats in the uh, in the final product. Um, just focusing on on what goes inside of the flour and stuff uh, to to make it great. When New Mexicans think of native foods, we first think of corns, beans, and squash, maybe lamb. Uh, what kinds of seasonal ingredients uh, use in, are indigenous in 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 the dishes, um, other than those? Um, so the, I would make a correction with the lamb was actually uh, introduced, um, but there is a bighorn sheep variety. Okay. Um, so so yeah, so there's uh, like you know uh, there's fish, um, there's game. Um, so we're in a high uh, high mountain. Um, desert range so there's uh different types of fowl here um um there's uh let's see uh i guess uh grouse um higher elevation and that's and a, have wild... like a small game bird Is that yes right? uh okay. yeah it has like a like a well, if you see it in the wild it has this like a, a chest that kind of poofs out and makes this uh really uh loud noise it's very interesting um and then you come down you'll see uh uh, wild turkeys as you come down the uh, mountain range and then when you get down towards the uh, river area um you get some uh i guess uh pheasants also huh. uh let's go back to farmer elan i'm wondering have you found that foods that we think of as indigenous tend to grow better here than foods brought from other parts of the world does that make a difference yeah, I think, um, yeah, you mentioned, yeah, squash, corn, you know, uh, yeah, those those crops generally tend to do pretty well here. I think, though, plants are very adaptable across the board. So, you know, we see the, the, uh, the Chinese elm popping up all over Albuquerque, and it does really well here. So there's you know, invasive tree, right? But there's lots of other crops 
uh, that we can grow. I mean, yeah, tomatoes are indigenous. They do really well here. They like the heat. But in general, I think plants have a huge uh, range of, of what, of kind of their elasticity and plasticity of uh, being able to adapt to an environment. But yeah, there's no question that, yeah, squash does well here. You know, the chilies, tomatoes, corn, yeah. Nellie, I'm wondering, in a restaurant called French Heritage, it's French-inspired, do you use some of those uh, native ingredients or native flavors that are, you know, kind of uh, ingrained in New Mexico cuisine? We do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we have uh, we had a burger on the menu last night, actually, for our hump day hamburger, hamburger hump day. And it was a Dunhill Ranch lamb burger, which is our New Mexico shepherd or New Mexico lamb that we get down from Magdalena um, with New Mexico green chili on it and it's always rather popular <laughs> people you, can't people just they they like their new mexico and indigenous foods yes definitely and you really can't go wrong with a green chili cheeseburger yeah you, you can't no. no and you add really good lamb and it makes it even better for sure uh Chef Ray Naranjo, it's hard to think of fall seasonal cooking without thinking of the holidays that seem to come back to back to back once it starts getting cooler. One of those is Thanksgiving. Um, Yvette Perez at the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center told me one of the most popular events at their restaurant is the Thanksgiving feast. Should I be surprised that indigenous people celebrate Thanksgiving? Um, uh, not at all. I mean, we're, uh, as the assimilation happens, um, it, it becomes... Uh, what it is to everybody else um, as you grow up you just see it as a family event time to gather um and unless you're really interested in learning about it or you have um uh, people that are openly teaching that um you normally don't find that out unless you learn on your own right uh, the the tragedy that actually happens but um so that's a self-education process i guess and will you and your family celebrate Thanksgiving? What are you going to do? Uh, absolutely. It's uh, one of the earliest first meals that I actually uh, was interested in cooking. Um, um, so I've perfected a lot of my dishes over over time. Um, I could, uh, I'll share with you, with you one of my recipes. Uh, is, uh, I take, um, I, it's like a cream corn dish. And I'll take um, uh, sweet corn and I'll... Uh, Cut it off the um, the cob, and, and uh, you caramelize it um, with butter. And then, um, as you're doing the caramelization process, uh, you'll add in uh, either some shallot or some um, red onion. Uh, and then I'll I'll finish it with a little bit of green chili, and then uh, and then we'll cream it out um, with the stock first. Let the stock reduce, and then. Just a light cream, um, so it doesn't uh, uh, overwhelm the flavors. I want that right now, please. Um, if you could just send it over by Zoom, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what kinds of things can listeners do with Thanksgiving leftovers besides the classic turkey enchiladas? Um, I've been doing this waffle thing uh, where you take uh, the stuffing, and you, you put it in a, a nice buttered uh, waffle iron, nicely heated, and you make yourself a stuffing waffle, and then you then you add in the egg yolk into your mashed potatoes, and you add then you make a mashed potato waffle, stack that on there, and then um, I'll throw in the turkey and then finish it all off with some some of the leftover gravy, and um, that's what that's one of my favorite things to do. There you guys go, listeners. That's brunch next Friday. Uh, Ray, colder weather also calls, calls for heartier dishes and comfort foods. What are some of the comfort foods for indigenous people in our region? Um, tamales. Tamales, it's like tamale season. Um, tamales of all variations. Um, there's variations from region to region. Uh, and there's new new traditions, of course. Uh, so we have uh, in our area, there's a sweet blue corn tamale. Um, that's, uh, pretty popular, uh, with the indigenous folks. Um, and then there's also, uh, the more, I guess I, I would call it a modern twist on tamales. Um, 
where it has the pork and the red chili, and then you got the uh, chicken, green chili, tamales, and, um, you know, you just make a nice basket, a nice variety. Um, I also uh, like to make uh, turkey tamales, um, where you roast the uh, the turkey, and you get all those nice juices that are left um, from the uh, pan, and you put that in your masa instead of the um, uh, the lard, and you'll... you'll you create this like really awesome dish <laughs> that just um, it's just beautiful. Wow, um, I think we should go back to Nellie Bauer from Frenchish to also talk about Thanksgiving leftovers. We can't all do waffles, although well, maybe we can. No, well, we're not doing waffles. Um, I, the first thing that came to mind when you said leftovers was the sandwich. I'm not a big sandwich fan usually, but something about the day after Thanksgiving, being able to stack everything up cold on bread is just so perfect. <laughs> it tastes better, I think, even cold. Yeah, I would go with the sandwich. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to pause for just a moment. You're listening to Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM. I'm Kave Movahead. Stay right there. We'll be back in a minute. This will sound familiar to Trekkies, but you might also recognize this music if you're a fan of Gustav Mahler. The Star Trek theme begins almost exactly like Mahler's first symphony. We'll hear a new mashup called Mahler, A Final Frontier, on the next Performance Today from APM. Weekday mornings at 9 on KUNM. Hey, it's Sarah Gonzalez from NPR's Planet Money. Every gift to this station directly supports the news you rely on every day. Don't believe me? Here are 10 things that $10 can buy this NPR station in 10 seconds. Ready? Pencils, batteries, notepads, gas to the next news story, headphone pads, caffeine, a windscreen, post-its, pens, highlighters. Every gift matters, especially yours. Here's how to give. You can give at KUNM.org. Welcome back to Let's Talk New Mexico on KUNM. I'm Kaveh Movahead. Why is it important for you to use local or seasonal foods in your favorite dishes? Call 505-277-5866 to share your ideas. Uh, in the studio with us, we have Nellie Bauer from Frenchish, Ilan Silverblatt-Busser from Silverleaf Farms, uh, on Zoom, Chef Ray Naranjo, and uh, we actually just got a caller who couldn't stay on the line but posed a question. Uh, this one's for Nelly. Um, Grandma was born in Normandy, says Daniel. Uh, she would make a dish with artichoke that you could eat the entire vegetable, not just the meat. Do you have any idea what that dish is? Ooh, uh, I don't. I know that, I mean, you can eat pretty much all parts of most every vegetable. It's just a matter of whether or not you want to. Um, I'm wondering if it was pan fried, though. Okay. I think that might have been. I, I don't know. I would. I'm some of those do skins are research. pretty tough, but they mm. are. Yeah, and that's a preference thing. But I, if you you know pull off the outside, I'm assuming they're talking about regular artichokes, not Jerusalem artichokes. Prob um, uh, I know that lots of cultures fry them. You know, a pan fry of some sort, not a necessarily deep fry at home. Um, and that makes them pretty palatable. That breaks down a lot of, a lot of that, you know, connective outer vegetable -y tissue stuff going on. Um, I think I of things yeah. softening when you cook them, you know, low and slow. Um, yep. But a pan fry would be kind of higher heat, right? Higher heat, and it's a, considered a dry heat because it's oil as opposed to a wet method. Uh, you could do, yeah, you could probably... Like a baragool would be a low and slow, um, it's a cooking of artichoke like or anything, but the baragool method, um, aromatics, and you just dunk the artichokes in a flavorful broth and kind of simmer them low and slow. And that does break them down almost to the texture of a canned artichoke, though. Huh. So maybe not the way you want to go, but... Okay, there you go, Daniel. Yeah. Thanks thanks for calling in. Uh, we do have one more guest introduced this morning on the phone with us from Santa Fe. We have Mario Reyes, the chef and co-owner of Harry's Roadhouse. 
Harry's Roadhouse serves American comfort food and Southwest regional flavors featuring seasonal ingredients with a mindful approach to customers' dietary restrictions. Chef Mario took over ownership with his partner last summer after cooking there for 10 years. Thanks for joining us, Mario. Yeah, hi. Uh, um, um, hi, my name is Mario Reyes. Um, I just, uh, like you say, I just uh, get the restaurant like last summer uh-huh. with my partner Kathleen O'Brien. Um, we both working in there for like over 20 years. Um, I started there when I'm the dishwasher 22 years ago. And then I just um, learning all the my skills, the cooking, like reading and uh, cooking for the of the community, um, and um, so we just um, uh, keeping all the all the ingredients, uh, all the same uh, quality, all the same uh, um, attention for the customer, like Harry's do it. I want to ask you about your specials menu that is kind of ever present there uh, and often has seasonal and local ingredients. Do you create the dishes for the specials after you find out what you can get, or do you order based on what you want to cook? Well, we're looking what we have in the seasoning. You know, like uh, like example, like right now we have uh, like the season, like you know, the, all these holidays, um, like starting October. We start to using like pumpkins, you know, this is around um, all the um, turkeys. Um, we used to looking like right now with a lot of cranberries. So we're using uh, like cranberries because it's the season for cranberries. Um, for uh, for specials, we always talk with the art proverbs, you know, like example for the fishes, what kind of fish they have right, like in the season for a reasonable price for the customer and for create a dish. Okay, well, you mm-hmm. have you have great pizzas, you have classic New Mexican dishes, but you also serve dishes from around the world, like Vietnamese catfish and Moroccan-inspired stews. Do you have a guiding yeah. philosophy for your cooking or for your menu? I have, sorry, I was what? what? What is the idea behind your menu? What is your philosophy? It seems so spread out. Mm. Well, the the idea is like uh, bring some different uh, flavors, you know, to the people. You know, some people um, just eat the same thing, and I like like always uh, try everything. You know, we we just uh, read a lot about the cultures with the countries, and sometimes for me it's like very interesting when I just have something different and try to test it. You know, and and we just, uh, you know, uh, put in trying to be to the to the customers um, uh, like it more is for the vegetarians, you know, trying to bring more more flavors to them. Okay, we have a message from listener Erin who wanted to share one of her favorite side dishes: uh, kale salad with crispy fuyu persimmon. Pomegranate, radish, cucumber, sometimes some crisp apple, toasted pumpkin seeds. Sorry, uh, maybe even a little goat cheese. Uh, Aaron says I do a I do a lemon and salt massage to the kale, then top it off with balsamic or champagne vinaigrette. Some roasted delicata squash would be lovely to add to that. Lastly, I found an olive oil kabucha sweet bread recipe that I've been doing for the last couple of years. It has cacao nibs and chocolate chunks in it. Uh, I bring that to gatherings with family, and it's a big hit. Uh, wow, Aaron. Um, we got a few nods here in the studio. Uh, Nelly, what do you think of those recipes? Uh, that The kale salad sounds delicious. That sounds like a great way to use a lot of complementary ingredients, and massaging the kale is the way to go. It makes it a lot more palatable. Um, But yeah, when you said persimmon, that sounded very fall and different to me, especially with all the other things mixed in. And I'm kind of curious about this sweetbread with the kabocha. I'm thinking I heard sweetbread and I thought of maybe an offal meat as opposed to a sweet bread. It sounds more like a dessert, like a bread pudding. What right. I might call a bread pudding. Kabocha but that sounds, and cacao. It sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, because yeah. kabocha is such a great squash. It you know it's really meaty. It doesn't water out. So um, that would be very tasty. I might I might borrow that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
Chef Mario, uh, Harry's has a special Thanksgiving menu that's only for takeout. Uh, what's in that, and why do you do it that way? Um, well, you know, we do it that way because, um, well, this is because, you know, a lot of, we have a lot of customers, a lot of uh, regular customers, and um, well, we close, you know, for Thanksgiving. And, uh, well, I like it to, to the people have something to, to eat, you know. And we have a customer eat there, like, we right now open just five days a week because we don't have staff. But um, we have a customer eat like the three times um, every day. So we just um, bring the idea to making the roster turkey, you know, turkey rest with um, turkey sausage stuffing and cranberry sauce, mashed potato, green beans, and uh, mushroom gravy for takeout for two people for this, this coming week. And, well, we just start to post that last week, and we have, like, a lot of people ordering already, like, at least, like, for a week, like, 35 orders already. Uh, I want to go back to Nelly, since you are working out of a brick and mortar, unlike Chef Ray. Uh, do you also have uh, a special Thanksgiving anything <clears throat> menu or or anything prepared? Our special Thanksgiving is to close the restaurant for the entire week. We have a four-day work week usually, Wednesday through Saturday, but we will be dark Sunday through Tuesday, so our staff has an entire stretch of time to spend with their family and do their own Thanksgiving thing. So during the during the pandemic, we did pick up. We switched, you know, to a to-go restaurant, and we did very similar types of Thanksgiving takeout, create your own dinner kits. But um, no, we, we take it for our families and our friends so that we can have the time off. Okay, and Chef Ray Naranjo, I actually seem to recall on the Manco Food Truck Facebook page, there was something about a Thanksgiving event. Is that right? Um, so we're doing just, I'm doing like a some small private stuff, but mostly it's um, also to spend time with family. So uh, we're going to close up for Thanksgiving as well. Okay, good for you. Uh, back to Chef Mario Reyes, Reyes from uh, Harry's Roadhouse. Y'all cater to people with dietary restrictions pretty well. Being a vegetarian is easier than it used to be because of all the meat substitutes available. But there are also a great number of people who are gluten-free or have other allergies. Do you have suggestions for how to help hosts at home make sure all their guests have a great meal? Um, yeah, we, we just, um, you know, we have a lot of people like is that gluten-free. So, well, you know, we, we have a gluten-free pizzas. Um, we have pasta and, um, you know, I just like, uh, my, my suggestion is like, is, you know, like trying to making like, um, you know, substitute like, like the flowers and everything sort of like some rices, you know, grains, like, you know, we're using a lot of um, grains, like rices um, and um, vegetables. Okay. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Nelly, I'd like to come back to you. Fall's the time we tend to splurge on bigger meals with sweets afterwards. Uh, are there desserts at French's that you'd call it seasonal or that use ingredients that we wouldn't typically think of as dessert there yes we so just like our regular menu we change our dessert menu seasonally or even more frequently than that what just joined the menu is the ever popular sticky toffee pudding it's actually a cake and here in new mexico we grow jujubes those grow on a tree here um so we use those when we have those available otherwise we use dates for it but it is sweetened with the dates it's a cake that's baked and then covered in a toffee, so brown sugar, cream, butter. I hate to admit those are the ingredients. While it's still hot out of the oven, it kind of soaks in and makes almost this caramelly cake goodness in the dish. Um, that's super seasonal. It comes out of the oven piping hot. It's super hot. Um, and that's probably the most popular and the most seasonal. We, we make a lot of those. Yeah. Chef Mario, desserts are definitely not an afterthought at Harry's Roadhouse. You usually have pies and tarts and brownies and ice cream. Uh, what are some desserts that are seasonal or use seasonal ingredients? 
Well, you know, right now we're using like a lot of um, like cranberries in the season for cranberries in the season for the for the pumpkins. You know, there's a lot of pumpkins right now. Uh, we use uh, we just do it in like you know, like I don't I don't like called simple, but there's like um, very very easy pie. You know, pumpkin pie, and we just serve it like pumpkin pie with a whipped cream. Uh, well, we're making like very, very fresh like every day. You know, we just roasted the the whole pumpkin, and and we making like the pumpkin pies. Okay, uh, this is like, mm-hmm. this is our our like you know like the people that love the pies in there in the in the roadhouse. So we just we just doing like the the customer like <laughs> love it. Okay. Farmer Alon, um, I think of fruit as more of a, maybe a summer treat, but are there more fall fruits that are ready to be turned into desserts this time of year? Oof. You know, um, my favorite fall winter fruits, maybe more winter, are the citrus. And we're so close to some pretty amazing citrus coming out of Arizona and some out of southern New Mexico. But... Um, yeah, there's to that. That's what I. Yeah, for me, that's that's winter fruit, fall, late late fall, winter fruit, or, or citrus, re, regional citrus. Okay, I'm gonna try to squeeze in a couple more questions before we run out of time. But Ray, Chef uh, Raymond Ranjo, I want to know about indigenous inspired desserts. What are some of your favorites? <clears throat> um, sure. So um, we could do the uh, cranberry. Um, well, I guess it's not a dessert, but it's kind of the turkey side of the turkey. But um, but the uh, gentleman spoke of the citrus. Um, so it's actually more of a family recipe uh, where my grandmother would make um, orange marmalade. Um, you take the orange marmalade and you uh, just water it down slightly. And uh, you add the fresh cranberries in there. And then you just cook it together and it has enough sugar and all that stuff um, for the cranberries. Um, see, as far as desserts, uh, it's not really an indigenous thing for to have the dessert course, um, but obviously the ingredients um, speak for themselves. Pumpkin pies, um, uh, different uh, types of corn puddings, um, different things like that. Um, so when my when I think of Thanksgiving desserts, it's uh, it's definitely more of a modern inspired um, dessert uh, with my own twist on it. Nelly, we have thirty seconds left. We have a listener, Megan, who says I have two quints from my CSA, and I don't know what to do with them. Ooh, you can you could roast them up. You could or you could uh, just saute them in a pan really easily. You but yeah, definitely cook them a little bit. They need a little cooking on them. You could throw them into a salad. They'd be easy. Um, or like a side dish even to like a steak. Okay, thank you. We've reached the end of the hour. Thanks to everyone who called in or emailed. Big thank you to our guests, Nellie Bauer, Ilan Silverblatt-Boozer, Ray Naranjo, and Mario Reyes. KUNM loves food and farmers, and we'll keep covering them. Please follow us on Facebook. Search for KUNM Radio on Instagram. We are KUNM News. You can email your thoughts on today's show or share recipes that we'll post on our website by emailing letstalk at KUNM.org. We'll have today's audio up on our website soon, so you can share or listen again. You can also get the Let's Talk New Mexico podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Next week, we're taking a break for Thanksgiving. We'll be back on the 30th to talk about electric vehicles. Details will be online soon. Our engineer today is Marino Spencer. Mia Casas handled the phones and Megan Kamrick produced the show. I'm Kaveh Movahead for Let's Talk New Mexico on 89.9 KUNM.